0: Welcome to the Soulish Podcast, and thank you so much for being here. My name is Whitney Avki, and I am your host. On the Soulish Podcast, we're exploring our souls so that we can deeply connect with ourselves and others, and it's my greatest privilege to share with you guys my experiences and thoughts, as well as bring on guests, like the one today who's super special, um, that help us to understand different things, different modalities, different services, different worldviews, different perspectives. Um, I really tried to bring in thought leaders and truth seekers and people that have a heart for people, because I feel like that ultimately is the prerequisite to anyone sharing anything with anyone is, do you care about people? Do you care about how you affect people? Do you care how this impacts lives? And Christine has the best heart, I had been looking for a Vedic astrologer for many years. I knew a little bit about Western astrology from Sarah James Carter, but I knew that there was another type of astrology and I really wanted to discover what that was. And I was introduced to Christine Rodriguez from Sarah James Carter, and so I hopped on her podcast immediately and started devouring everything. She has an amazing podcast, Astrology Now underscore podcast. It's on all platforms, and so that is a huge resource as well as this podcast where we talk about the history of Vedic astrology and how it's best used. And we didn't talk a whole lot about the differences between Western astrology and Vedic astrology for the reason that when we usually compare, it's really hard to not be thinking about, well, which one is better? And she's not about that and neither am I. And so that's why we don't talk a whole lot about the differences between Western and Vedic astrology. Because we really just wanted to talk about Vedic astrology and what is it and how is it used and how does it work and it's so fascinating and there's so much more information on Vedic astrology than just this episode, but if you're new to astrology in general, this is a great intro this will give you a great idea of what Vedic astrology is. And Christine is not only a Vedic astrologer, but she's a social worker, she's a yoga teacher. She works with individuals short-term and long-term to utilize their birth, uh, natal birth chart as a compass to work through their roadblocks and utilizing like their inherent strengths, which she's really good at pulling out. And you can go on her website at innerknowing.yoga or you can find her on Instagram at astrology now underscore podcast you can also email her at astrology now podcast at gmail.com and she has such a great heart for people she is such a good teacher and so I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode and learn all about Vedic astrology and to meet Christine because she has a Patreon account that you can go and support her as well as get way more deeper into it. And I am a patron and I love the weekly updates. It's really helpful to know what's coming up and what's going on and why. And she is so great at developing that and creating it and then producing it and teaching it. And she's just world-class. So I'm so excited feel like it's such an honor and privilege to have her as a guest. And I know that you guys are gonna enjoy it. So I will let you guys listen to our episode. Enjoy, Um, definitely follow Christine. And we will be doing an Instagram live this week as well. And if you're happening on this podcast, after the fact, don't worry. The Instagram live will be on the Soulish podcast, Instagram forever. So you can go and listen to it after you listen to this episode. So love you guys. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Christine, it's so good to have you on the Soulish podcast. Finally, I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> Thank
1: you so much. I feel so honored to be here and you just exude warmth and grace and positivity. And I just, I always love talking to you. And I just feel really, really grateful to be on your podcast. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, thank you, Christine. I could say the same thing about you. You're just awesome. And you are like my Vedic astrology guru, if I can say that. Um, I go to you for all things Vedic astrology. And it's, as you know, like I'm I'm new to astrology period. So um, Sarah was kind of my go-to for Western astrology. And she came on the podcast earlier this year and kind of gave us a 2021 Western astrology of all the things that are going to be happening in this year and um then i discovered you actually through her and i was like hold on there's like a whole nother there's a whole nother side there's there, there's more <laughs> there's vedic astrology i knew nothing about this <laughs> so i started listening to your podcast and learning so much and i just thought it'd be really cool to talk about the history of vedic astrology um so that we can understand um as a soulish community, what is Vedic astrology um, and maybe even the differences between Western and Vedic. But I know that both have so much value and both are such a great tool for us to get to know ourselves and get connected with who we are and the energies around our lives. And I think it's it's been one of the most eye-opening experiences to just understand even more about my sun sign, my moon, my rising and I know in Vedic astrology, there's even so much more, um, like North nodes and South nodes of the moon, which is I think Rahu and Ketu. Um, mm-hmm. so we can talk about that too. And so I'm just really excited to dive in.
1: <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. And I appreciate such generous words. I'm definitely not a guru. I'm still definitely a student. <laughs> um, and, and I, I feel really humbled to be able to offer you information on Vedic astrology. So thank you so much. I I'm really grateful that whatever work I'm putting out in the world has been helpful and supportive. I really appreciate that. Oh,
0: it's a big deal. Yeah. And I love your teaching style as well, because you really do such an amazing job at breaking things down and applying it to our lives. And that's maybe my favorite part about your podcast is you bring it back home. <laughs> so it's not something that's like out there. You bring it back home to like how it applies to our lives, how we can use it or utilize that energy or that shift or that transition that's about to happen. Um, so I love it. Thank you so much for the work that you put out. Um, cause I know it's hard work. Um, and, and you put a lot of your heart and soul into it. So it's amazing. Um, let's get into the history of Vedic astrology. Cause I actually don't know very much. And I would love for you to just kind of give us an understanding of like the birth of Vedic astrology. And I don't know if there's a difference between sidereal because I know you mentioned that in your podcast almost every time you say this is the sidereal (laughs) vedic astrology Um, so I didn't know if there was another version of vedic astrology
1: yeah well and so yeah I mean these are all really good questions and vedic astrology is a method of astrology as is western astrology and the tropical zodiac is a measurement of the Zodiac system that they're using, as is sidereal. So you will find people who are using the Vedic system with the tropical um, Zodiac <laughs> or, the, or the tropical system as well. Um, so it'll be Vedic astrology with the tropical signs. OK, and then you'll have God. Vedic astrologers with the sidereal signs. So it's, it's a different method of assessing the chart, like Vedic and Western. And then the tropical and sidereal is like the measurement that you're using to assess the Zodiac. (laughs) If that makes sense. Does
0: Western also use tropical versus sidereal and we just didn't know it or they have?
1: I believe that there are um, people who use the Western method with the sidereal system. Yeah, with the sidereal Zodiac, I should say. Okay. Yes, I have seen that a few times. Um, and so Vedic sidereal, in, in my opinion, and, and the way that I was taught, of course, it really is the most traditional way of going about it. And you were asking about the history. So yeah. Vedic astrology, it is a part of Vedantic practices from India. And so historically it's been used in conjunction with things like Ayurveda, um, Vastu, which is directional science and other Vedantic practices. And so it becomes a holistic way of viewing the world through a spiritual lens. And so Vedic astrology, it's also Jyotish, and that means science of light, okay? So it's like science oh, wow. of time, science of karma, understanding wow. how, as we move throughout time, the cosmos are going to impact us, the world around us, and you yes. know how we're playing into that, mm-hmm. how we're playing into our own karma and the collective karma.
0: Okay. Interesting. Super interesting. And so cool that, um, in that culture that they use it as like a holistic approach to life with Ayurveda, which I do, and we don't know it, but we do a lot of Ayurvedic things here in, in the West, um, in the U S and we don't probably know, know it like tongue, you know, oil pulling, um, even tongue scraping, um, of course, yoga and stuff. And then just even how we eat, um, food and so it's actually it's really fun that we we d- we actually practice this but we may not even be aware of it but that astrology is also a part of that so how um, how is it that because I know I get this a lot with and I see this question a lot of are we being controlled by the energies of the planets or is it just we are being influenced. I like to think of it as an opportunity, but what is your perspective?
1: Yeah. And so I definitely want to, I definitely want to answer that. I'm going to come back to that. I just want to touch on something you said a moment ago. First of all, thank you so much for including yoga. (laughs) I'm like talking about Ayurveda, but of course, yoga is also one of these Vedantic practices. And as you sometimes we can be doing, Oh no, I lost you. Uh-oh. Are you there? My... Can you ah. not hear me?
0: <laughs> no, you totally froze. I don't know if I froze on my end.
1: Oh, uh, you did, yeah.
0: I did. Okay. Well, I,
1: I probably froze too, yeah. But um, what was the last thing that you heard me say?
0: The last thing you said was, well, first of all, thank you so much for mentioning yoga. And as soon as you
1: said that, then it went out. <laughs> okay. okay, I can pick back up. Okay. Um, so thank you so much for mentioning yoga um because there are so many elements of our life you know moving about a western culture where we are enjoying things like yoga um, and for different things from ayurveda like learning different ayurvedic techniques enjoying vedic astrology and we have no idea about the incredible lineage or the system in which it came. And I think that that's why it's so important to really understand what it is you're practicing and where it came from and the yes. culture that it came from. Yes. Um, and so I really do like to make that known that Vedic astrology is an Eastern study. You know, Jyotish mm-hmm. is a name for it, it's also Hindu astrology. And so it's really important to understand where it came from and where it originated and what it was used for and in conjunction with. So thank you so much for adding that. Um, and then to answer your question about whether or not the stars are controlling us. That's such a good question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure. You get it a lot. Yeah. And when yeah. I first started studying astrology, you know, I mean, like I started studying astrology when I was like really, really young because my mom was also wow. into astrology and then I got into oh, Vedic so cool. astrology. Yeah. I think that I, I hear that a lot. People are like, yeah, my parents were into it or, or whatever. So, but, so she introduced me to it, got really into it Found in Vedic astrology when I was 19 or 20. And I I had my teacher and that's when everything became full force, okay? And so when I started studying Vedic astrology originally, I was like, oh, it's all free will. Like, this is amazing because now we have this map and it's a predetermined disposition. Like we may be inclined towards these things, but we're not doomed to these things. And like, I was so on this path of like, maybe 20% of it is predetermined and then the rest is free will. And now I'm like- 30% 30% free will <laughs> yeah. because, and I think that we have so much more power and autonomy than we think we do. It's just the way that we perceive it and the way that we frame it, because so much around this idea of spirituality and awareness is actually releasing control of external circumstances and being okay, no matter what happens. That's yes. the idea. Okay. So yeah, these things in our life may occur. There may be things that come up. And we're not really going to have a whole lot of say on whether or not those things happen. But we do have control over how we respond to them. If we maintain our practices, if we maintain, you know, clarity, being calm, compassionate, there's this idea of sattva, which is being harmonious, being pure, being calm, you know, so constantly working to live a sattvic or a a pure life, which you've heard my podcast. I know that some people hear the word pure and they're like, but... (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. I actually commented on that because being from a Christian background, you know, it's like be pure, be holy. And I loved your definition of purity. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Living from the heart, living, um, from a space of sincerity and, and generosity and servitude. I think that's my opinion, of course, you know, but, um, so I don't necessarily think that the planets are controlling us. But I do think that the planets, because it is the science of light, it's the science of time, we're determining what are the planets going to do? What is going to be their course of action? So with that being the basis of the science, the planets are going to be determining external circumstance and worldly circumstance. Right. But then again, our control comes in when it's how we respond, how we react. And as you were mentioning beautifully at the beginning of the podcast, this is a way, this is a method of self-discovery. This is a method of understanding ourselves. So yeah, we can look at a chart and it's like, okay, you've got relationship karma. Whatever it is, you've got relationship karma. And by someone understanding that, reading up on what it means for them and their tendencies, it can bring awareness to the fact that I can be selfish. I can be impatient. I can be critical. And then you actively work not to be that way. So it can work in that regard. Like if you can develop that self-awareness, you can do so much to liberate yourself, but it takes work
0: so good so
1: that's was that did that answer the question
0: oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) that was so good I love it oh I don't even know where to go from there it's so good um so that's that's really interesting and such a um such a great way of of wrapping that in a bow because I think there's a lot of fear, like when people know that they're like Saturn return or Mercury retrograde. And we, we almost feel victimized by whatever's happening in our charts and in our planetary alignments and where you sit in that. And so I love that you have more of an empowering approach and that you can understand and, and actually utilize when you awaken to the understanding of what this means for you, you can actually utilize that as you going deeper and learning more about yourself and addressing maybe things that you need to address, even if it's things you need to let go of or things you need to heal from. Um, So I love that. Um, Since you kind of touched on relationships, um, can we go there?
1: (laughs) Always. Always. (laughs) Um, Is
0: it possible to see in someone's chart whether or not they're going to have multiple like partners or lovers, or if they're going to have, and I know we typically do, but, but is it, do you ever see where it's like the stars align for this one moment in someone's life when they're going to meet the love of their life versus someone who's going to have multiple partners, multiple lovers, not that either one is better than the other, but I just wondered if you can like see that in a chart.
1: You can for sure. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. you can. So, see- oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, I was just going to ask on that, but go, go ahead.
1: Well, you can see, I mean, it's always a variety because you can see people who are going to be incredibly monogamous. They're going to have one person, you know, you can pretty much estimate when they're going to meet that person. They're going to stay with them for a long time. And then you'll see people who want to be monogamous, but then they have a tendency to burn out their relationships and move through them very quickly quickly. And then you have people who don't want to be monogamous and have a blast not being monogamous and that's just the way that they are. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's see, so cool. Yeah, you can see different variations of that. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um so what are some like major ah, major I feel like that's not a great word. What are some really big indicators? There you go. That's better. <laughs> big okay. indicators of um if somebody really needs healing or has like relationship, karma, baggage, whatever you want to call it, just, they need to heal or learn, um, from past lives. What's, how do you see that in a chart? What's the indicator for that or indicators?
1: Well, that's a little bit of a complicated question to answer Sorry. Just because no, it's okay. Just because there are so many different things that can go into it. And I am worried that somebody listening or watching will look and be like, oh my God, I'm doomed. And it's not, you know, it's not always the case. But the thing is, you know, and just to give a few examples, very simple examples is that Saturn is an indicator of karma. Saturn likes to make things difficult. Saturn likes to make you learn hard lessons. So if Saturn is in the seventh house of relationships, there's going to be some lessons to learn around relationships. It might feel a little stagnant, but that's, it's wonderful to know that because if you're having restrictions with relationship or delays with relationship, it's okay to be patient. And it's also really good to get into um, some type of therapy for yourself and working out any type of trauma or negative experiences you had to help prepare you for a long lasting relationship because Saturn delays things, but it doesn't deny things. (laughs) So good to know know that this might be some karma and it's something that you're going to be working through. But then there's also the nodes of Rahu and Ketu, which are the karmic nodes of the moon. Okay. So if Rahu or Ketu are in your seventh house, there's there's some link to karma there. It's not necessarily bad. It doesn't necessarily mean you're never going to get married. I've known so many people with Rahu, K2, and Saturn in the seventh, and they get married and live happy lives. It's just an indicator that there is going to be some karmic lesson there for you to learn through intimacy and through partnership,
0: which is probably what is meant for you as a catalyst, right? To your healing and to your journey. It doesn't mean that you won't have a relationship um, or relationships just means that you have lessons to learn in that area of life, right?
1: Of course. Yeah. And that's what it's all about is it's like, what lessons are you intended to move through in this life to propel your soul forward? Mm
0: -hmm. It's
1: set up for you. It's set up for you to learn these lessons and to evolve on a spiritual level. And I'm not saying it doesn't suck. Like you're allowed to feel like it sucks. You're allowed to feel like it hurts. You know, some people have things in their chart where it is horrible experiences. And I don't want to sit there and be like, oh, well, it's just part of the path. Right. It's just something that is set up and integrated into the chart, you know?
0: Wow. I love how you say things. You explain things so well. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, it is an important point so that people don't feel like there isn't one way for what everybody, like it varies, right? And it's so unique um, per person. Um, is it is it often that you see the same exact, planetary alignments for two people? Is that common?
1: Mm, You mean like two identical charts? Yeah. So this, first of all, I'll see charts that are incredibly similar, just like out and about, you know, like throughout my time studying astrology, but then this becomes an an issue with twins right because they are going to have very 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 similar charts but in vedic astrology we have what's called the divisional chart or the vargas and so this allows us to look even deeper into various areas of your life and even with twins you will have different vargas and different divisional charts that will make their lives different so you'll never you'll never find anyone with the same chart and then also set of divisional chart or vargas
0: wow that's so cool yeah. so we really are all unique including our planetary alignments <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i feel so special now <laughs> You are. no thank you <laughs> so are <Yeah>. you <laughs> um so cool so um what are some what are some of your recommendations as far as um us getting to know like discovering our purpose how can we use um, Vedic sidereal astrology to, um, to help us find our purpose. Cause I know that that's a big deal for people when they, they just don't want to exist. They want to flourish. They want to find meaning to their life and like a deeper resonance with who they are and, and with the people around them. And how, how do we discover that in our chart?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, I think that it can go back to what we were discussing earlier in that with so many of these different tools, rather it be astrology or the Enneagram or human design or whatever, Mm -hmm. is it is a tool of self-discovery and something that's so beautiful is that upon personal introspection, we can discover things about ourselves and notice things about ourselves, but we may not necessarily have language for it. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at Vedic astrology, what we're doing is we're giving a deeper level of insight and also a name to kind of assign these different various, like these various aspects of our life. So Mm -hmm. using the relationship thing as an example, it's like upon personal introspection, you've known that relationships are really difficult for you and, and intimacy is really hard for you. And then we look at a at your birth and it's like oh well you know saturn's in the seventh house and it's got these other aspects and it looks like that you've got some relationship problems so there's already just one level of validation like okay there's there are some relationship issues but then yes. let's take it a step further what's your mindset like what's your mindset like are you prone to seeing the glass half empty are you prone to seeing it half full what's the relationship like with the mother and the father did you lose a relationship early that Mm -hmm. could be contributing to this intimacy issue. You know, were you abused? Were you neglected? Like, you know, do you suffer from clinical depression? You know, like using these, and of course we're not diagnosing or anything like that, but if we're seeing different aspects of the moon and we're seeing like, okay, this person may be prone to depression or melancholy. It's just bringing this level of awareness, putting name to it and validating it for people to, um, just deepen that level of introspection and deep, deepen that level of awareness because that's really what all of this is about. Like any yeah. type of spiritual practice, it's to deepen your level of awareness and broaden your perspective and, and broaden the way in which you interpret your experience. Because if we are living from the space of, of having life happen to us or attaching ourselves to a specific identity, attaching ourselves to a specific role in life, Any of those attachments, any of those ways of identification, it's setting ourselves up for suffering because none of those things are permanent. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to look at things, have a better understanding of ourselves, and then take a few steps back so that we are no longer subject to those things. Does that make sense?
0: Total sense. Yes. It's a holistic approach. It's not just a one one thing and then that's it. Um, We have so many variances and, and contributors to why we feel the way we feel, why we've made the decisions that we've made and all of that. And so, yeah, but basically Vedic astrology is one way of looking at it and maybe understanding in a deeper sense or having that confirmation Mm -hmm. of like, yeah, you are in this season of learning or growth or dealing with hard stuff. And so this is, this is your season for that. Take it by the horns instead of feeling victimized by it, use it to your advantage and to propel you forward into your healing and to your discovery, whatever that is.
1: Yeah, and to know when it's over. <laughs> like
0: That too. It's
1: really nice too. Like, yeah, you're I love that. Really bad Dasha, you've got it for a year, here's some remedial measures. Because in Vedic astrology, there's a remedial measure for everything. And so oh, that's, okay. that's what's so beautiful about it. It's like, okay, so you've got this tough time period coming up, the astrologer isn't just gonna leave you with like, good luck, it's hard, have fun. <sighs> It's like, all right, here are the gemstones that you can use. Here are the mantras that you can do. Here's a yagya or um, it's, a, it's a ceremony that you do or have done for you by, by priests. Um, there, there's a series of remedial, me- remedial measures that can take place to help mitigate that negative effect. And, oh, okay. and this is why it's so important though to understand that Vedic astrology is a part of this system. Right of of mantra, it's a a vedantic practice, you know, and so it um it's it's very traditional. There's a lot of really beautiful facets of it, and again, there's there's a remedial measure for everything, and I love that. And my first teacher, Matab, and I believe that he is correct on this through my experience so far. He I met him here in Austin. He was my first Vedic astrology teacher, and he is he's also a yoga teacher and a Kundalini yoga teacher, and he would always Mm. say. Christine, because I used to seriously have anxiety about everything, everything. And so I'd look at my chart, freak out and email him and he'd be like, Christine, (laughs) just (laughs) practice. Do your practice, relax and practice. And something that he said to me once was that sadhana can change everything. And sadhana is having Hmm. a fixed practice that you do every day. And so Mm -hmm. there's this idea that you can change your karma through your actions, through your deeds and also through your sadhana and through your spiritual practice. So there is, a, I just wanted to mention that connection for those who might have, you know, anxiety about things is just um there's a lot to be said about staying consistent with spiritual practice that can mitigate a lot of negative impact.
0: Yep. Yeah. Wow. Cause I look at you now and I would never think you would ever struggle with anxiety. <laughs> You're the most like calm, collected like individual I've ever met, (laughs) even in our, like in our group calls with our, our friend group. And you're, you're the one keeping everybody straight and narrow and calm and collected and like, bring us back to the point.
1: Focus. (laughs) I really, really, that's, that's such a generous compliment. And it's funny because what gives me that ability to be structured is the same configuration in my chart that does give me anxiety. So it's funny. Wow. There's a double-edged sword, but I, I I don't, you know, the anxiety, it's it's not I'm not emailing people about it in the middle of the nine in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> that time that time has sailed. <laughs> so, I love it. I, I can see myself doing the same thing. So <laughs> it happens. It happens. I don't want anyone to be hearing this and feel bad about it. It's completely reasonable to feel frightened or scared or anxiety. It happens to the best of us. It's okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see myself doing that. Like, Oh my God. I think I was even doing that before I moved from California to Colorado. Um, it was said that around, and I think you even mentioned it in one of your podcasts, like if you're going to be traveling mid-March, don't do it. Don't travel. (laughs) And I was like, well shit. I'm supposed to I'm supposed to drive to Colorado like right around at that time. Yeah. Shit. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna do it. I mean, hopefully I'm not like alighting with any like negative energies. Although I I did face like a really strong random storm in California, which never happens. Yeah. And it was even hailing. So I was like gripping the steering wheel. My my fingers were swollen the next morning and so sore. And I didn't realize like I had been gripping so hard, but then I also had had been driving for like 10 hours after that so I was like oh my hands are so, so yeah but it was like hail and torrential downpour and wind and it was like this is like a Texas storm
1: oh god I'm <laughs> so driving, driving through safe.
0: yeah 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 I have wow. a really awesome safe car so it's wow. all four-wheel drive thank god so I feel so blessed to have it
1: wow. um
0: but so around that like when we, when you also give those indicators in your podcast, and when we see that coming up in the astrology, how do we, how do we decipher, discern uh, for us what that means? Because for me, I knew I'm, well, I'm leaving. Like, I don't have a choice. I I have to travel in this time. And I believe I'm protected and divinely guided and all of that. But how do we determine that for us? Does that mean that we don't book that getaway trip or something like that. Like what is that supposed to be for us in our life or help us with? Right. Yeah. No, very
1: super nice question. And so, you know, because I'm talking to so many people and I can't see their charts, right? That's right. why I'm like, listen, if you can avoid it, don't do it. Because right. I don't know. I, I can't see everybody's chart and I'd rather them be safe. Right. Right. But the people who would be impacted by it most would be those who are having the Mars and Rahu conjunction in a more malefic house, you know, in one of these houses that does produce accidents like the sixth house or maybe the eighth house or the 12th house, you know, foreign travel, foreign lands. So there are different areas that you would want to look at where it might be a little bit more malefic. But the thing with Vedic astrology is that we're looking at transits. And in addition to transits, we also look at the dasha system. And is something In order for an event to occur, it has to be reiterated between the transits and the Dasha system because that Dasha system is going to activate the transiting planets or the planet in your birth chart. So there's a lot that goes into it to really figure out and pinpoint which one of us is going to get into an accident, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's just kind of like one of those things where it's like, look, if you, if you have the opportunity, if it's not that pressing of a trip, like maybe you should postpone it, especially if I, I'm not looking at everyone's charts or right. um and you know, this, like on the Patreon account where I do the weekly horoscopes for people, I do specify a little bit more deeply. Like, yes, you guys are the ones that have to watch out. <laughs> These are yep. the signs. So, you know, when I have the opportunity, I try to get a little bit more specific. Um, yeah. But, you know, for, for those of you all who are listening, who want to look at that yourself, it does take quite a bit of skill to be able to learn how to predict that type of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. that's why we need you <laughs>
1: and all of the other amazing astrologers
0: Yes, there you go let's yeah. let's bring them all in but really we're talking about you <laughs> but but I think that's why you're such a wonderful gift and a resource and that's why learning this is so powerful and can be such such a shift in our lives when we understand um, and can learn more about astrology and Vedic astrology more specifically and and all of this. Cause I mean, everything that you're saying is new to me. I haven't even heard it when I've looked at Western astrology and kind of understand. I mean, I know transits and stuff like that in Western astrology, but all of like the the Eastern um kind of way of life mm-hmm. and all those different components to the holistic approach, which astrology is a part of that is so new to me and I just think it's so beautiful and I'm looking forward to I actually booked a reading with you and I have it a week from the recording of this podcast and I'm super excited to learn all about it um and all about me because I know that it's going to be there's going to be differences between when I've gotten a a Western astrology reading, which was still really great. Um but I think that there's there's just a different it's just a different way of viewing it and using this tool, which is really cool. I wanted to ask you about transit. So transits are specifically when planets are either kind of passing each other, coming close to each other. I, I've heard like squaring um, or conjunction, like we had the great conjunction happen in December. Um, can you explain a little bit more about that and why it's so significant with transits? Yeah, of course, yeah,
1: um, beautiful. So, you know, so transit, so, when we're looking at transits, we're looking at how the current astrological weather is going to impact us individually and the world at large. And Mm -hmm. so by observing transits, what we're doing is we are observing the movement of the planets, what sign they're in, what other planets they're conjoined with, if they're retrograding, what the spatial relationship is, as you were saying, you know, is it, Mm -hmm. are they three signs apart? Are they five signs apart? And which would be, you know, like a sextile or a trine. And that's that's actually Western terminology, you know, because okay. Vedic system, the, and I mean, that's completely fine. I um, I studied under someone who is like a Neo-Vedic astrologer. So they also use trines and squares and sextiles and all of that. So I understand oh, cool. that language. But the, the traditional Vedic astrology has traditional aspects that they use. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there. I, I, I use them all. Any, any bit of information I get, I'll, I'll use it and see if it works. <laughs> but yes. um, anyway, so the spatial relationship uh, between the planets and how that combination or how those influences are going to react, what is it going to do? And when we're looking at our own individual birth chart, the planets that we're looking at are fixed. They're never going to move. That's our birth chart. That's our natal birth chart. That's the way that it is. And then we take the sky and we impose it on our birth chart and see how the moving planets are going to affect the areas of our lives and the planetary influences in our lives. So for right now, it's March 27th, 2021. We have Jupiter and Saturn in the sign of Capricorn, the sidereal Capricorn. For people who are listening, sidereal astrology uses the astronomical placement of the planets. So if you were to download a star app and go outside and find Saturn and Jupiter, you'll see that they're astronomically in the sign of Capricorn. Okay. So they're in the sign of Capricorn. We're looking at a birth chart where somebody is a cancer ascendant. That means that Capricorn is in their seventh house of relationships. So we're going to sit there and be like, okay, so what is Saturn and Jupiter going to do when it's transiting their seventh house? Do you see what i'm saying it would be a completely different feel if we were looking at a capricorn ascendant to make it easy and jupiter and saturn were transiting their first house of their self and individuality which the self and relationships generally work you know together but just using that as an example and so we can apply it to our own individual birth chart um we have these really significant transits in life like you were saying a saturn return Which is if you were born with your Saturn in the sign of Aquarius in your natal birth chart, when Saturn moves through Aquarius in the sky, you know, about 28 years later, you're going to have a Saturn return because Saturn is returning to that point that you were in when you were born. Then we'll have other really significant transits like Sadi Sati, which is where Saturn moves over your natal moon. So that's how we use transits in addition to our birth chart. But then we can also look looking at a birth chart as a guide. It's just like this is the way that the planets are interacting with one another and where they are spatially. So let's figure out how that's going to affect Earth. Mm. Um, but it is essentially a weather forecast for the planets.
0: Yeah. which is. I hope really-
1: that wasn't a too long-winded, complicated response.
0: Not at all. Not at all. Girl, you're so good at explaining and breaking it down. I really, really, really appreciate it. Because oh, um, that makes it more understandable. Does, does that mean that for everybody around 28 years old is when our Saturn is returning? And then that, what does that do? Does that cause friction? That's, you mentioned earlier, that's like karma, um, karmic lessons. Is, is that
1: what ends up happening around 28 years old. Yeah. So, you know, anyone who, anyone who's listening to this now, if they're around 28, 29, they're having a Saturn return, you know, (laughs) it's almost pretty much guaranteed. Just look at your birth chart and see where Saturn is. Um, And so it's, a you know, for our age group, everyone's pretty much experiencing this and Saturn return First of all, let's talk about what Saturn does. So Saturn teaches us the hard lessons of life and he teaches us the reality of things. And he's like, well, this is the reality. If you're not willing to step up, I'm going to whip you around a little bit. Mm -hmm. and he'll teach us these lessons during every little phase of our life once you know wherever saturn was when we were born it's going to move into the ninth house teach us about gurus teachers our father through the 10th house through career and outward expression and who we are in the outer world authority government through the 11th house friends network circles great gains it's going to move all throughout the houses teaching us various lessons in our life when it comes back to the point where it was, it's almost like, okay, here's a coming of age experience. Let's test you and see what you've learned and how you handle it.
0: Yeah. But, 28
1: was crazy for me. So this yeah, makes total sense. <laughs> I don't know how old you are. I'm so sorry. I'm just assuming we're the same. I'm 33 Oh, turning okay. 34 this year. You yeah. graduated from the Saturn return.
0: Yes. I would time. say I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. But yeah, it was a 28 was the year of like shifting, um, dealing with shit. I basically threw everything to the wind and was like, fuck it all. Um, and just like basically just stepped, it was kind of a way of me stepping into my power, stepping into my voice, but it was hard lessons learning and just kind of saying like the rubber is meeting the road right now. And I have to make a decision. And I, I fluctuated. It was, it was basically forcing me out of the box. So I rattled around in that box for a while (laughs) during 28 and then finally like launched
1: out and yeah, here we are. (laughs) That's it. It'll stir things up to get you to step up. Yep. But you've got to take personal responsibility and you've got to work hard because that's what Saturn likes us to do. But wherever Saturn is placed in your chart, that's the area of life that's really going to get impacted you know, Mm. so if it's the 10th house, it's your career, it's your authority. It's, it could have to do with the government. I hope not my God, but it could also be the seventh house of relationships of your commitment of your intimacy. You know, it could be the second house of like finances or early familyhood experiences or writing using your voice, you know, so it Mm -hmm. could affect different, it's going to affect different areas of life, just depending on where it's placed. So good. I cannot wait to, <laughs> to dive into that during
0: my oh, reading with fun. you. <laughs> maybe better understand that season of life. But yeah, man, that's so cool. And I love how you um, how you give voice to the planet so that we can hear kind of maybe what it would sound like, um, because I like to think of all of creation, all of everything, including the planets, as being, being there for my good and benefit. And I know that we can use things for our highest good and benefit, but would you say, are there any like evil (laughs) coming to get you planets? (laughs) Like we usually think of Mercury, right? As the like coming to get you Mercury retrograde. So what,
1: what is your perspective on that? (laughs) So if there was an evil planet, I would never say it out loud because I do Planets are listening. <laughs> Thank you, Saturn. No, but, um, I, and I don't, I, I don't truly think that any of the planets are evil. I, I do, I love that you noticed that though, because I think that applying personality to the planets helps us understand their effect so much better because I their agree. personalities, like their energies and Mercury, you know, I, I view it as mischievous. It's having fun at mm-hmm. our expense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but the other planets to watch out for that can have effects where you're like oh man it's going to be rahu and k2 the karmic nodes of the moon mars can also really shake things up and depending on your rising sign there are going to be planets that are more or less beneficial so for a few of the rising signs you know they could have a planet that should be a positive planet but for them it's acting as a malefic planet
0: So it does
1: get a little bit more complex, but but the natural malefics, the planets that are notably malefic according to like traditional texts, are going to be Saturn, Rahu, K2, Mars, and actually the Sun, because the Sun can burn things up. If it gets too close to the Sun, it'll make it a crisp. So it's also included in the malefic category. Duly noted. I don't want to be crispy. I don't
0: want to be yeah. (laughs) Um. So can you? talk a little bit about the north and south nodes, which is Rahu and Ketu. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think I understood that, and I don't even want to say it maybe because I I don't want to confuse anybody, but I understood one is more around purpose, uh, life, and like where you're headed, and one is more about lessons needing to be learned in your life so it kind of gives you kind of an outline like here's where you're going and here's what you really need to learn let go heal from could you talk a little bit about that
1: that was beautiful yeah so rahu and k2 are going to be expressing forward moving karma and then past karma okay and so rahu wherever rahu is placed in your chart it's going to be an area of your life that you're kind of forced to pay a lot of attention to. But a lot of the time you want to pay a lot of attention to it. It comes, it comes as a natural desire. And with desire comes obsession. There can be a little bit of a neurotic thought that comes to it, like fear of what if I don't get it? There's like anxiety that comes with it. And so ultimately Rahu is propelling us forward and helping us in, in, Fulfilling our karma in this life, the experience we're meant to have, but it's also acting as an attacher to the material plane. Because Rahu gives us material desire. It can also give us material stuff. It can give us money, it can give us wealth, it can give us fame. But all of those things also tend to give us attachment and pride and you know, a- acting from a place that's less humble and, you know, sincere, right? So we've gotta, we've gotta keep those two things in perspective. And not all the time, you know, I'm not saying no one can balance that, but I'm just saying it's, it's, you might be prone to it. Mm -hmm. And with K2, K2 is the opposite. K2 can indicate past wounds, like things that we've experienced in the past that were painful. And when I say the past, I mean like past lives. It could also be in our past. Um, K2 is what we have fulfilled lifetimes before. So wherever K2 is placed, it's almost like a place of familiarity. Like it comes really easily to us, it comes naturally to us, but it's not going to create that same compulsive feeling that Rahu is going to create. Um, so K2 is very much more about, okay, you did it check mark, you, you know, and when we're getting those little check marks and we're fulfilling certain karmas, it's like, are we getting closer to personal realization, self-realization, I should say. So K2 is the liberator it separates us from things it doesn't give us material desire you know it's like it doesn't really it's not really interested in the material world It's interested in the spiritual world so k2 is going to be a very very strong indicator of how spiritual someone is how much spiritual insight someone has if their interests are along the lines of spirituality So, I mean, even talking to you, I I honestly, I haven't looked at your chart yet, which I'm going to do after this, but I can guarantee you, you have a well-placed K2. Like, of course you have a Mm well-placed K2. (laughs) So K2 is, you know, it's kind of wanting us to steer away from the material and move towards the spiritual realm.
0: Is that helpful? Mm -hmm. Totally helpful. Yeah. And which one is the North node and which one is the South?
1: Yeah, and so uh, Rahu would be the north node in Western and K2 would be the south node. And maybe you could help me with this. Maybe I'm making an assumption, but in Western astrology, I believe that the south node is seen as like a really malefic influence, maybe? Yes, in, yeah. in Vedic astrology, it's not seen that way as, mm-hmm. as deeply. It is seen as a malefic influence, but it has a very different meaning than it, than the South node does. So that is something to be mindful yeah. of for people coming from a Western background.
0: Yeah. Cause it's just, it's awesome to see how the different viewpoint is because it's, it can be used differently, um, in your life. So it's, it's really cool, but yeah, I, I understand it's more of something definitely more maleficent, but i i could be not accurate i'm not i'm very new not an astrologer (laughs) but i think you're right on that um one last thing i just wanted for people to know because i don't want to take up much more of your time this has been such a good like download of what is vedic astrology and just a few of those elements um so thank you so much for taking the time to explain and break it down for us Um, You mentioned your Patreon, which I think is a huge resource to people um, as well as your podcast, but your Patreon membership is so much more of a deeper dive and um, so much more specific because you actually give the specific um, readings for each one. (laughs) I am a Patreon member of yours and, um, and it's super helpful because especially for like this week in my transition, I'm a cancer Sun, um, I think, and Aquarius rising and Pisces moon <laughs> to like, remember what am I in Vedic? Um, and specifically it was around communication and letting go and, um, maybe having like a bit of trouble in that process of, letting go what I'm feeling and also, but communicating what I'm feeling. And it was super helpful to have that structure, um, around like, Hey, you're feeling all of this. It's valid, but here's how you can just like harness it. And so I really appreciate your podcast as well as your Patreon membership. Um, how can people sign up? They go to your link in your bio of your Instagram. Where can people find you?
1: Well, thank you so much for being, for being so kind and so supportive. And I'm also a patron of your, I'm also a patron of yours and you release such beautiful, amazing content. So I'm so grateful (laughs) that we get to support each other in that way. And, um, so if people are interested, they can go to the link in my bio, that'll take them to my website. If they want to find the Patreon account, they could find it from my website, going to offerings and then become a patron, but they could also go to patreon.com slash astrology now podcast. And of course, if they want to find my podcast, it's Astrology Now, one word, Astrology Now podcast. It can be found on all major platforms. And my website is innerknowing.yoga. And my Instagram is Astrology Now underscore podcast. And of course, I would love to connect with anyone. It's always so much fun. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to share where people can find me.
0: Yeah. I'm going to have all of that in the show notes for everybody. So you guys can go there and just click on whatever links. And you also do, um, Vedic astrology readings, which is really awesome. Mm -hmm. And you also have the, um, the availability for someone to be taught Vedic astrology by
1: you. Do I have that right? Uh, uh that's true. So that's really cool. Yeah. And I'll do modules. I'll do like group classes. I just finished one up recently, but then I'll do the one-on-one mentoring as well, which is always a lot of fun. So if people do want to learn more about Vedic astrology and how to read their chart, it's a, you know, it's a shortcut for sure.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Ah. Oh. Awesome. Well, I'll have that also in the show notes for you guys. So you can go ahead and book an astrology reading with her. Um, I'm definitely going to be posting about my experience so you guys can see that. But, um, as you can see in this episode, Christine is awesome, super knowledgeable and, um, it's, it's like a really awesome moment to sit down with her and for her to give you, um, your reading and, and understand yourself better so that you can self-discover and, and just be be armed. I think with information is like the best thing when you have more information about yourself and why you are the way you are. I think sometimes it's so validating and, and can really affirm you in your strengths and in your weaknesses, just being, having those areas of focusing on where you need to learn, grow and heal. And so thank you so much for your time. And we really
1: appreciate you being a guest here on the Solish podcast. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it too. And you know, it's like in order to see good things in other people, they have to exist inside of you. And you are just constantly reflecting such sweet, generous, kind, sincere words of people. And I'm just so grateful to have whatever goodness in me reflected. So thank you so much for seeing that. Thank you for having me and sharing me with you, audience. And I'll talk to you really soon. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Christine.